You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our AIB Weekly Market Talk. Today is Tuesday the 1st of December. My name is Cormac Canan from AIB Treasury and I'm joined today by Oliver Mangan, AIB Chief Economist, to discuss the latest market developments. Ollie, Public finances and major economies have been significantly impacted by COVID-19. Is there a danger that fiscal policy could be tightened too quickly? Fiscal policy has obviously been very supportive of economies this year. Uh, and We've seen a very, very deep recession, the deepest since the 1930s. Uh, one of the consequences of that has been the emergence of very, very large budget deficits. Uh, now, granted, governments have been able to raise debt at very low interest rates, thanks to the activities of central banks. Um, that has been key in terms of supporting household incomes, in terms of supporting businesses, and in terms of limiting the rise in unemployment. Now, there is a risk here that um, as recovery gets underway, that we could see a premature tightening of fiscal policy, i.e. spending cutbacks and tax increases, etc. I think it's interesting that the central banks have been clearly indicating that this is their intention to keep interest rates very low on policy very accommodated over the next number of years to allow the recovery uh, in activities to take root and prosper. As I said, this has been a very deep recession. It will take quite a time to recover from it in full. So it's important that policy remains supportive of growth uh, uh, as the recovery gets underway. Now, we had the UK Chancellor uh, warn last week about that the, the major problem in terms of public finances an action will be, have to be taken. Now, notwithstanding that, he did provide additional supports for the economy uh, in the short term. But I think it's important that the, the, the governments take their cue from central banks here uh, and allow the recovery to gain momentum. We will need a strong recovery to repair a lot of the damage that's been done over the last 12 months, particularly in those sectors that have been effectively shut down. Uh, if we see a premature tightening of fiscal policy, we risk uh, limiting the recovery. Uh, increase in the so-called scarring effects where more businesses fail, we're left with higher unemployment, etc. So uh, I think in circumstances where you know governments can borrow money very, very cheaply, and in many cases, such as in Ireland's case, they can borrow them at negative interest rates, you know, fiscal policy should remain supportive of, the, of economic activity over the next couple of years. And actually, you know, a strong rebound in economic activity will go a long way in terms of bringing down budget deficits. It will see a recovery in tax receipts. There will be a reduction in transfers uh, from the government in terms of, let's say, social welfare payments, unemployment payments, etc., supports the health service. So a lot of the spending or increased spending we've seen this year will fall off anyway as as, um, as the recovery takes hold. So, you know, I think, you know, for the sake of the public finances and the economy itself, you know, we should, our government should be patient in terms of tightening fiscal policy in this cycle. Thanks, Ali. Um, next question, just more looking at currency markets, kind of two-fold uh, approach. Obviously, recently we've seen that economic data has held up better than expected. And in the short term, how will this affect currency markets? And also, look, taking a longer look, uh, you mentioned budget deficits um, in major economies. How, in the longer term, will they affect currency markets? I think you're right. I mean, we're beginning to see data come through now for November, um, and we have the PMI survey data. And actually, they've been stronger than expected, particularly the manufacturing side. The manufacturing side has actually continued to gain strength. 
But remember, unlike the last one, the manufacturing sector has been exempted from this current lockdown and has continued to operate. And even within the services sector, uh, the data we're seeing show that the decline in activity is nowhere anything like as severe as we saw last spring. Uh, and activities holding up better than anticipated. Now, now, in some sectors, obviously, like travel and tourism and leisure, uh, activity levels remain very, very subdued and have weakened again with a renewed lockdown. So, um, you know, the data are showing um, better than expected activity, not a severe impact uh, on uh, the economy in quarter four. Now, we're still likely to see the recovery stall in the U.S., and probably a double dip in Europe, but a much more modest decline in GDP or output in the fourth quarter than we saw earlier on in the year. How does that translate into currency markets? Well, we're beginning to see uh, the dollar come under a bit of pressure again. Um, the euro is back up, looking at how to look at the 120 level. Now, the euro has only traded above 120 uh, against the dollar uh, for one short occasion since 2014. Um, you know, the expectation would be that the stronger the data are and going into next year, the stronger the recovery we see, the more negative it could be for the dollar, because the you know the, the US dollar is a safe haven currency, and if we do see, uh, helped by these vaccines, a strong recovery take hold next year, when investors are going to broaden out from safe haven currencies like the dollar to other currencies and put it under pressure. So remember, the dollar is at very elevated levels, uh, has been in recent years, uh, and a key factor under paying the strength of the dollar in recent years has been you know, high interest rates in the US relative to elsewhere. That is not the case now. I mean, the euro rates have not been cut this year, but we've seen large cuts in US interest rates being cut to zero. So that support for the dollar that's been there in recent years um, would gone or is gone. And as you know, central banks are saying, we're going to keep rates low. So next year, we won't have high, relatively high US interest rates uh, supporting the dollar. Uh, and it will lose, I expect it will lose some of the safe haven status as a strong recovery takes hold in the global economy. And the third thing to bear in mind is high budget deficits tend to be negative for currencies. And uh, so it's the two countries with the highest budget deficits uh, are obviously the, the UK and the US. Now, obviously, Brexit is the main driver of, of sterling. But in terms of the dollar, that combination of a global recovery that lessens lessons safe haven demand rates being kept rates being kept at zero in the u.s going forward and also looking to fund a large budget deficit with a large current account deficit are all likely to be headwinds for the for the u.s currency so as i say the, the euro's only got above 120 once since 2014 it's it's they could well breach it um in the coming months and then the next level that it might move towards will be 125. So I think, in short, the, the answer in terms of recovery, etc., and high fiscal deficits, the, the, the currency that's probably most exposed here is the US dollar. But remember, it's at elevated levels and has been at elevated levels for five or six years at this stage. Thanks, Ollie. Um, there was talk over the weekend uh, that this will be the last week of Brexit negotiations. Are we likely to see a, a deal agreed this week? Well, well this weekly podcast is a bit like Groundhog Day. We keep coming back to the negotiations and this is the last week and the deal has to be done. Um, we have seen some movement, I would say, over the weekend uh, on the fisheries front. Uh, now, the slides are still quite some distance apart, but it looks like we're inching towards a deal uh, and now the talk is that we might get a deal by this weekend. But these deadlines keep moving um, and I think, you know, our concern remains that 
you know, we run out of time here. And um, even if a deal is negotiated or concluded in the next week or two, is there sufficient time and place uh, to ratify by the end of the year? And if not, what happens then? So, uh, again, let's take our cue from the currency markets. I mean, there the really was an expectation that a deal would be done at this stage. Now, we did lose a week to the negotiations because both Boris Johnson and Michel Barney had to self-isolate um, because of being close contacts with people who were tested positive for COVID-19. So we lost a week in the negotiations. Sterling has been on an uptrend for the last um, two or three months. Uh, we've seen the euro fall from 93p back to 89. Uh, and that was on you know growing expectations that we would see a deal concluded. Sterling actually lost a bit of ground over the last few days. And it's gone back up towards the 90p level. Um, so I think that that's taken, it can be taken as some sign that, um, you know, we really should have a deal concluded at this stage. And maybe a slight worry in markets that the delay may mean that we, we might find it increasingly difficult to conclude any trade deal at all. Now, I, I think the likelihood is that a deal will be concluded. Uh, I'm not going to say when because deadlines uh, keep being missed. But I think some progress is made in the negotiations. Um, Sterling it's still a good bit higher than where it was two or three months ago. But, uh, you know, time is certainly running out on that front. And we keep making the point that um, the upside for Sterling is probably limited uh, in circumstances if we get a trade deal. But it would fall very, very sharply uh, if there's a surprise outcome, uh, which markets are not. And markets are not expecting that would be left for the hard exit. That is not at all priced into markets. So as with the referendum result back in 2015, we, we or sorry, 16, we, we could see sterling involved very, very sharply if these talks uh, break down and we don't get a trade deal. So bear that in mind. Ollie, thanks for your thoughts and thank you to our customers for listening. To stay up to date on financial markets, please press the subscribe button to AAB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. For those customers impacted by COVID-19, you can find details of AAB's support packages at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.